welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. I cannot lust safely. I'm a sexaholic. I'm a lustaholic. And uh, I'm glad to be here. And uh, hi, family. I have a sober date. I'm from Daytona Beach, Florida. And I have a sober date uh, in spite of living in Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, and uh, that's uh, August 17th, 1986, about 1130 at night. And uh, uh, my principal forms of acting out are, just to sum it up, are uh, uh, my, my years of living the way I wanted to live uh, it finally gotten me to the point uh, where I, I wanted to commit suicide. And with uh, 20 years of uh, being sober and active in AA and, uh, and, uh, and rampant in this addiction, uh, and uh, were uh, masturbation, uh, pornography, uh, uh, fantasy, uh, same-sex same sex, sex uh, adultery, uh, bestiality, and uh, that's almost the top ten. Uh, and just uh, and and hatefulness. That was a form of my acting out: resentment, anger, fear, uh, self pity. Uh, uh, I have a male sponsor, and his name is Mike H. And I call him, and uh, so. Uh, here are my thoughts on sponsorship. I, I did some reading. Uh, here's my th- my thoughts on the history of sponsorship. Uh, I like to think in terms of directed sponsorship, proactive sponsorship, assertive sponsorship, maybe aggressive sponsorship, uh, dynamic sponsorship. Uh, it's very interesting to me that uh, uh, the way the way this twelve the twelve step programs got started was not that uh, um, Roland, you know, uh, from the Oxford group uh, didn't look through the yellow pages and call and ask somebody to come out to him. Uh, Roland, uh, an alcoholic back in 33 or something, uh, went to Dr. Jung in Switzerland and uh, learned something about addiction and uh, thought he was going to be sober forever and ever. And he came back and he sought out a man named Ebby that he had known. Ebby did not call intergroup. There was no intergroup. He didn't call AA. There was no AA. And uh, so to, to me it's significant that Roland had a message that he felt would, would keep him uh, free from addiction and other people. He sought out Ebby. Ebby sought out a guy by the name of Bill W. It's just powerful. Bill W. sought out a guy named Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob and Bill sought out a guy named Bill D. They hunted the poor guy down in a hospital, or I've forgotten, dragged him in or whatever. So that's the way this thing got started. You know, not somebody calling and would you please come out to my house. These guys went out and 
and knew that they had to to uh, um, find to me this is very very significant uh, found a lot of good information about sponsorship uh, by looking through the literature uh, how much more time do I have okay well, okay uh, my my experience uh, it's it was interesting to me that I found an index of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the word sponsor is not in it so maybe the word sponsor is not in the big book anyhow uh, it is mentioned in the 12 and 12 with regard of doing the fifth step but I don't find it in there uh, I don't claim to be an authority on this but I don't find it in there on uh, on earlier than that um, so uh, the, some of the important, I'm going to share my experience, strength, hope, and opinions on this. First thing is, I am as sick as my secrets. I also believe that I'm as sick as your secrets. And that's why I covet your open introductions, which I learned in Rochester. And uh, not the uh, prisoner of war uh, introductions, which are at some meetings, just rent name, rank, and serial number, you know. I mean, when I walk into a room of people and see, like you folks, you know, you all look like the board of directors of, uh, of uh, you know, some church or synagogue or cathedral or something. And I'm comparing my insides with your outsides. So it's crucial to me when you tell me that you used to do some of the stuff that I did. And I really like it when you did something worse than I did. But I can't think what that would be. Uh, <laughs> But uh, try. <laughs> and uh, so I'm as sick as my secrets, and I believe I'm as sick as your secrets. But you have the right to keep them or tell me. I uh, also need to lead with my weakness, and I pray that you lead with your weakness. These are my needs. Um, and so uh, I, I'm, uh, part of my background is that uh, uh, I haven't had a drink in AA for over 30 years. Uh, 20 years when I crawled into this fellowship, committing, uh, thinking about committing suicide. Uh, I was limping along with uh, some kind of sponsorship effort. You know, I thought if somebody after a meeting, uh, if I said something at a 12-step meeting, and it was probably, if it was, was something clever, it was probably something I heard you say the night before, but if I said something that sounded clever, somebody would come up and say, will you be my sponsor? And I'd say, yeah, give him my phone number. And that was the end of it. You know, I didn't, never heard from him at all. But in, in this fellowship, uh, uh, what happened to me, uh, I was uh, dry, sexually sober uh, for uh, several years in another fellowship. And then, thank God, found this fellowship, which to me is the Rolls Royce of, of uh, S fellowships. And, uh, and I was dry in this fellowship for a couple of years, just limping along in a group where uh, nobody else was even staying sober and discouraged. And I don't know what I would have done. I was thinking about dropping out of, of SSA. And uh, I had a dynamic experience. I met a guy named Mike H. And Mike H. took one look at me, and he became very directive. And, uh, and so I believe he saved my life and my sanity so what I know about sponsorship is is what I learned uh, from him. Uh, I believe it's it's important uh, to uh, and that happened in Rochester in January of 1994. Uh, some wonderful information about sponsorship is uh, is in this in this book. There's an AA folder which is conference approved literature on sponsorship. There's a lot of good stuff in it. You know, maybe 40 bucks at your AA intergroup. Uh, the other 12 step programs have have stuff in it. Uh, one thing, uh, 
what is a sponsor? A sponsor might be, uh, 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 the, the last thing I think a sponsor is, is a friend. Uh, you know, later on, uh, it can be friendship. But uh, I had lots of friends, you know, bartenders, barflies, and, and whatever, you know, lots of friends. Friends weren't a problem. Friends, you know, quote. But the sponsor was somebody who cared enough to tell me uh, that, that I was dying and how I was dying and, more important, what to do about it. Uh, my sponsor got me into action right away. Uh, if you want to follow this up, uh, get, the, uh, Jan get the December 93 essay newsletter about successful essay meetings. Uh, it's available. And it talks about sponsorship and healthy essay meetings and so forth and how to get them. Okay, another thing is, uh, is uh, this yellow paper uh, that, that's been, uh, been around. Good stuff in here. In uh, Daytona Beach, we put something into the, uh, into the preamble, into the meeting format, you know, uh, uh, about the importance of sponsorship. And we offered to get you a sponsor before you leave, leave the room. Uh, something very important that's not talked about in, in gentle ways. The, uh, the white book and the AA folder, they, they gently say, uh, you know, it's better for, for men to sponsor men and women to sponsor women. I've got some real strong opinions on that. Uh, and, and I've seen men sponsor women. And I don't know if you know what 13-stepping is, but that's where somebody in a program uh, hits on a new person coming in. And uh, so I, I, uh, one of the strongest feelings I have is uh, <clears throat> that men need to sponsor women. <laughs> men need to sponsor women. Uh, I told you I was still sick. <clears throat> but uh, I, I've seen it happen. I've seen men sponsor women. And uh, this disease, in my opinion, uh, lust addiction, sex addiction, uh, makes alcoholism, drug addiction look like a tea party. And if there's any place where, where men should, you know, same-sex sponsorship rather than, uh, than cross-sexual sponsorship, you know, boys sponsoring girls. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and I've seen it being used as an excuse, well, this lady is, is gay, so... It's all right to sponsor, or I'm married, I, I can sponsor her, or there are two or three of us going to sponsor her. All these things. I never met anybody in this fellowship that didn't have some gender identification orientation confusion. Uh, you know, maybe you know somebody. I, I haven't. Sure, I was molested <coughs> as a kid, and most people I know were in one way or another. So, okay. So, uh, the... the uh, uh, it, sponsorship is partly role modeling and uh, and uh, learning how to how to be a person, and uh, that's all I know. Good morning. My name is Mike. I'm a sexaholic. And I'm glad that uh, at least some of you got up early to come and hear us today. And I'm glad it wasn't quite as many as that were here last night. Uh, that was frightening. And, uh, but I need to tell you that I am uh, nervous about standing up in front of you. Our meetings in Rochester are, uh, you know, about this size, 20, 25. Uh, but uh, something different being in, speaking at a convention. So bear with me. As I said, I'm Mike. I'm a sexaholic. And uh, 
I am. What we do in Rochester is we go around the circle and we each give our litany of the ways that we acted out. And we do this not to uh, stay in the problem or to produce any kind of shame, but to allow other people a chance to identify. And as Bert said, to bring the, to bring the secrets out. I'm powerless over lust in many forms, uh, lust for men and women, uh, and the desire to be lusted after, masturbation, use of pornography, cruising, sex with strangers, including hitchhikers and prostitutes, voyeurism, exhibitionism, dependent and codependent relationships, idolatry and covetousness, um, and my character defects. Today, it's a lot of self-centered fear and uh, the, the need to be impressive. So I want to surrender all that. Um, in spite of all these defects, by the grace of a loving God and the fellowship of this program, I haven't had to act out sexually since October 22, 1989, and for this I'm eternally grateful. Uh, I just found out that I was going to speak on this panel last night. Um, my sponsor was assigned to two, and he assigned one to me. Uh, only I was supposed to do a different one, and then he said, "No, I, I, I changed my mind on that." So, uh, I'm, I'm, t you know, so I am. Uh, I, I didn't have a chance to over prepare. I didn't have a chance to. Well, I did obsess some, but um. So uh, all I can give you is my experience, strength, and hope. I don't claim to be any kind of expert on uh, sponsorship. Some of the people I've tried to sponsor got better and stayed in the program, and most of them did not. So, uh, but I take comfort in the fact that um, Bert was referring to the early days of AA. There was a time when uh, Bill Wilson, after after uh, six months of um, working frantically with other drunks, um, this was before he met Dr. Bob, I think, uh, came back to Dr. Silkworth and, and says, it doesn't work, I haven't gotten anybody sober. And Dr. Silkworth told him, you stayed sober. So I need to remember that sponsorship, as much as I want to help another drunk, uh, is important for my sobriety. And... Uh, Unlike Bert, when I came to this program, I didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, uh, and uh, I had pretty much isolated myself from everybody. I decided that um, since I had uh, lust for other men, that this was something I certainly, that I had to separate myself from women. This is certainly something I didn't want them to know. And uh, I didn't want other men to know either, so I separated myself from them. So if you separate yourself from uh, men and women, there's not much left to relate to. Uh, but today I have a program of action that helps me. And um, we, we were just reading the problem and the solution earlier in the meditation thing. And um, a couple things stood out for me. In the end of the problem, it says, first addicts, then love cripples. We took from others to fill up what was lacking in ourselves. And uh, that had a lot to do with my acting out. Uh, I felt inadequate as a person, uh, less than a man, and uh, I, that was part of what drove me to act out with other men. I wanted to, to in some way, kind of steal their masculinity. Uh, 
So I, I, I took from others to fill up what I thought was lacking in myself. In the solution, though, what we read was... Um, We began practicing a positive sobriety, taking the actions of love to improve our relations with others. We were learning how to give, and the measure we gave was the measure we got back. So for me, sponsorship has been very important in teaching me uh, how to give to other people. Uh, there have been times in sponsoring others where um, there's that temptation to lust, uh, and... Uh, but uh, I, you know, I have to pray and talk about that with my sponsor. What works for me is that um, I pray for the people that I sponsor. And when I'm praying for his sobriety and for his uh, union with his higher power and for his spiritual progress, um, then I can't very well lust for him. So uh, that's what works for me. I, uh, I had a spiritual director one time. Uh, that said that he, he felt his his uh, greatest um, the greatest thing he needed to do for the people that he helped was to pray for them. So uh, that's very important for me. A little bit of my own history and sponsorship. I um, uh, like Bert. I also have a sponsor, and sponsorship for me goes both ways. I learned how to be a to be a sponsor from the people who sponsored me. Uh, my first sponsor in the program was a guy named Michael M. He moved away from Rochester and I guess lives in Portland, Oregon now. Um, but he uh, he helped me a lot. And uh, I remember at first I was afraid to bother him. And uh, every time he'd see me, he would say, Oh, thanks for that call last week. You need to call more. And so I'd call twice a week. And then he'd repeat the same thing until... Eventually, I was calling him every day, and I needed to, in my first year of sobriety, do that and get out all the stuff that was going on in me. I had a crisis a day, and I had no idea how to resolve it. Uh, my sponsor brought me back to, uh, to the serenity prayer. He prayed with me on the phone and um, talked a little bit about his own experience. And when I, w when I hung up, I was more at peace. And there was some opportunity for the grace of God to come in and lead me to a solution. Uh, or even just drop the whole thing. <laughs> my current sponsor, uh, uh, one of his favorite lines is when I get through with my uh, recital of, of moaning, he goes, Mike, give it up. So that's what I have to do today is give it up. Um, I worked the steps up. Um, with my first sponsor, and then when I had to uh, start with a new sponsor, uh, I worked him again. So I had the benefit of um, doing that twice in two kind of different ways, and that was very helpful. The second time I used, for my fifth step, I used the, uh, the forms modeled after the, the, uh, the columns in the book, and uh, that, was, that was great for me, and that's what I passed on to the people that I sponsored too. First person, uh, well, I remember when I was about a year sober, I, uh, I was moaning to my sponsor that uh, nobody wanted me to sponsor them. And he said that you have to be ready and that God would, would arrange that. And uh, so I had to let go of that. And finally, somebody did ask me to sponsor him. And he wasn't at all the kind of person I had in mind for a sponsee. 
uh, he was uh, he wasn't uh, he was out of a job. Uh, he had it was funny looking and uh, many other things. And uh, but I took him on and I spent a lot of time with him and I made a lot of mistakes and I stayed sober. He moved out of town. So did my my next two people I tried to sponsor. And uh, so that was frustrating for a while. Um, And uh, now there are a few people that I'm trying to help in Rochester. I, um, I, I always need to remember that I... Uh, I can't control somebody. I want to. When you ask me to sponsor you, I want to come in and take control of your life and tell you everything you're doing wrong. And that's now how it works. Uh, all I can do is be a guide to the steps and uh, and listen. I think the place for unloading or dumping is not in the meeting, but with your sponsor. Uh, so uh, I I've heard it said in AA that. Um, if you don't take credit for getting them sober, then uh, you don't have to take the blame when they get drunk. I have to remember that in sponsorship. Um, about a year and a half ago, a guy who I had sponsored who was a year and a half sober uh, decided he had other ideas and left the program. I, I really felt devastated, just as I did when my first sponsor uh, left town. And what I've learned from those experiences is I can't I can't tie my own sobriety to 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 some other person. It has to be principles before personalities. And uh, when this guy that I sponsored left the program, I had to call my sponsor several times a week and say, "Tell me again why I shouldn't call him." And uh, he told me that I was taking away from him the opportunity to call me. So. Uh, it's time for me to shut up, and thanks for listening. Shortest member. <laughs> My name is Paul. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic from Baltimore. Hi, Paul. Uh, hi. Uh, it's only through God's grace in this program I've been sober since uh, July 19th, 1989. And uh, my forms of act now were masturbation, uh, use of pornography and relationships outside of my marriage. Um, it was enough to kill me. Uh, got me to this program. I don't know why I'm up here because uh, I think there was a. I think I had a phone call a couple of weeks that said, "Would I want to be on a panel?" It had something to do with sponsorship. That's the last direction I heard. <laughs> so I showed up, and uh, here I am. Um, I think really the real reason is a conspiracy between the people I sponsor who want to hear me talk at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Because they, what they know is that I'm usually sleeping at this time. And one of the things that sponsorship in sponsoring others I've had to learn is that I've had to be able to set healthy limits for me and with another person. Uh, it was easy getting in the program. When I was the desperate one. I had to find and have people direct me. It was another problem to have to be able to set limits on other people, and a newcomer particularly. Uh, you know, uh, one of my sponsees said, I'm harder to get a hold of than Bill W. <laughs> so, so, so I said, well, call him. <laughs> and if you reach him, get, click connect with me afterwards and let me know about how you did that. Um, but... Um, I think that uh, I can only uh, share my experience, strength, and hope. I don't know a lot of uh, things about a lot of things, but what I do know is that 
I couldn't direct myself anywhere before I got here. And um, in fact, two of my two of my sponsors that I've had um, came to me, called me. I still don't understand it. It's still mysterious to me. The first one was in my first meeting. I was told to go an AA meeting because the person I came to in desperation. Uh, I don't know what happened to myself, but I heard the idea that it might be an addiction, and he's the only one I knew that was addicted and doing well. Uh, it just his this wasn't his addiction. He told me to go to an AA meeting, and he said to um, when they ask for newcomers, just say some, say that your name is Paul and that um, you you're not an alcoholic, but you have another addiction, and you'd like to talk to someone after the meeting who might know something about other addictions. And I was hoping that I would just hide there. You know, there's a lot of people having fun with each other. And I just wanted to sneak in there, sit in the chair. And and then I figured, well, the newcomers, they would just ask about last, you know, because that's where I was. I was last. I was on the bottom of the pile. And they do it first. And I had that moment of truth, you know, when you can say, well, maybe I'll do it the next meeting I go to. But there was no next meeting for me. There was nothing. The only thing I got was when I'm like on the plank with someone with a sword in my back and, and it's like I suddenly get the idea maybe I should jump. <laughs> you know, and it's not my idea. So this person, and I was just a mess, um, person came up to me after the meeting, made a beeline for me, which was kind of unusual, and he said that um, I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic and a sex addict. Uh, now, in 1989, uh, our fellowship was very small in Baltimore, and to go to a, a, just a random AA meeting and have someone do that, I, I knew, I know today that that was because I had no tomorrow after that meeting. I literally knew not where to go after that meeting. I was getting thrown out of the house. I was losing my job from acting out. All the money I spent was on, on this acting out. Um, I was morally, spiritually dead. And I was contemplating suicide. Now, I know today that I had to go to that suicide brink so that I knew what to share with someone who else was suicidal. When I'm a sponsee. I mean, I literally have, as a sponsor, have had people call me and said, you know, one of these, your sponsor, he's tying himself to a tree out in the middle of the woods and he, he wants to die. <laughs> no, I, I looked up in the essay sponsor manual, page uh, <laughs> 52, and it had what I should do. There is no, there is no sponsor manual. I, I look for one. There is, I don't know what to do in a situation like that, except I knew to say I don't know the answer and I had to pray to God to hopefully to, to give me some, something to go on. Um, my sponsees have told me a lot of things about sponsorship, uh, taught me a lot. Um, one of it is that I can't get in the way. You know, I just have to surrender. I don't know anything myself. I can't direct anybody else better than I directed me, and I directed me only to hear. That's it. Um, I've had a lot of strange experiences. Uh, sponsorship for me has, was that I knew I had a problem. I knew I didn't have the answer, that someone else, some other power outside of me, had to get me, steer me to sanity, and I wasn't going to be in a relationship with God until I had a relationship with one of you all. If I didn't have a relationship with one of you all, there's no way I could connect with God if I can't see. I tried that. I mean, I had a relationship with God, I thought, and all it was was my father. <laughs> when I finally, you know, got to picture who that was, it was my father. It wasn't God at all. It wasn't a higher power that could restore me to sanity. It was a higher power that could drive me insane. Okay? And so... I had to find a human being who I could surrender to and practice the step of surrender. Um, I didn't always like what I was told to do. In fact, one of those things was to call at, at 6.45 in the morning every day. I don't, even, I don't even like getting up 
I usually get in early to work, but that was even early for me just to talk to him. And I didn't have anything to say. I mean, I said, what am I going to call you 6.45 in the morning? I don't have anything to say. He says, don't worry about it. <laughs> just call. <laughs> so all it did, it taught me just to call, get in the practice, because that phone is mighty heavy. Um, after three and a half years of that, um, we've, we decided that maybe I didn't have to do that every day anymore, 6.45 in the morning. Um, the, other thing I, <laughs> the, other, the other thing is that um, uh, my sponsor... I think the only time he ever called me was before he was my sponsor when he didn't have something to give me to do. <laughs> and I learned that I have to call him. Um, and that that's the only way he knew that I was interested and he had sponsored a number of people. And so, I mean, that was his way, I guess, to um, uh, know that I wanted the program and I wanted something he had. It was the only way. It was simple. It was pretty clear to me today. And so, and kept him, and now keeps me out of the idea that I'm supposed to make you and help you keep sober. Okay, I mean, I couldn't keep me sober. <laughs> I ain't gonna keep you sober. In fact, one person, at least recently, asked me to sponsor him. Um, it was just a mess, and I couldn't even get to the idea of whether he really was a member of this program or not. And that's his decision, not mine. And I said, you know, if you don't decide on whether you're a member of this program, how are you going to keep me sober? <laughs> how are you going to help keep me sober? And he looks up and said, what? You know, he thought I was nuts. So I, but that helped him a day or so, you know, that just the fact that, you know, it helped him think differently. And I, you know, it wasn't me. So um, I had a, someone I sponsored call me in the middle of Amish territory in a bed and breakfast. He says, I'm in the middle of Amish territory. I'm at a bed and breakfast with my wife and I'm lusting. And I, all I could say was, man, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're, in, you're in big trouble. You qualify for this program and you're in trouble. <laughs> I mean, and the uh, strange thing is that that helped him. You know, helped him. I still don't know how. It's just, just helped him, okay? Um, because I know I've been desperate in the middle of what should be safe territory, and I, and I wasn't. Um, I've had, I, I was outside of a meeting, uh, or Wednesday meeting, I was, I was in the parking lot in my car, maybe 20 yards from a meeting, and I was calling my sponsor on the phone because I could not get myself into the meeting, okay? And I felt stupid. I felt absolutely shameful and stupid, but I was there stuck, and I, and I, I swear, I had this phone in my car. I did enough phone calls during my acting out, I can tell you that. So can I call my sponsor on this phone 20 paces from a meeting and be okay? I said, damn, I So I call, and I, I spent half the meeting time in my car talking to my sponsor on the phone. And so, you know, that was an experience I needed to have so I can help other people by sharing my experience because I can't get into book stuff. and That gets into my head. Um, the uh, so those are some of my experiences. I don't know what my bat. I guess if it was baseball, if this was baseball, I have a good batting average. Okay, I I warn people before they ask me and accept me as a sponsor that um, about half of the people that ask me to be their sponsor I don't see ever again. <laughs> you know, and the other half they're still around. Okay, I had a sponsor tell me that uh, uh, you know. The people that I sponsored seemed to be around the longest. And that's how what he, that was all good enough for him. 
But I had to warn them that, hey, if I never see again, I had one sponsee fire me after their first step that I asked them to do, you know, and it was the best thing. They're still around, okay? They fired me. So I don't really know what the sponsorship is except that it has forced me to surrender my will and my life to another human being who I had to think and believe that God talked through. Okay? And that, that helps me uh, be, be available to others. And that's the beginning of my program. And today I may call my sponsor a lot less um, than I did, certainly, and a lot better time for me. But it's still the same. I call him. Okay? And so uh, maybe if that helps you, that, that's fine. If not, well, then there might be someone else who you can listen to. So I'll keep quiet and I'll sit down for a while. Thanks. Keep Okay, we've got time for questions, so uh, ask the question, and uh, I'll say it again so that it'll be on the tape so people who listen will know. Okay, okay, that gentleman there. Yeah. Uh, my name is Hank. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. I'm, I'm from the Chicago area. Uh, I had an experience with my sponsee. He called me at 8 o'clock on on uh, Sunday morning and told me that he was in jail and wanted me to come and bail him out. And I, my immediate reaction was, yes, I will go and I will come and bail you out. So he said, fine, hung up, told me where he was. It was about 60 miles out of town. And then I started thinking, should I do this or shouldn't I do it? Uh, I called several people in the program who had been in the program a long time, and they said, uh, do what your gut feel tells you to do, and this is what I would do for anyone in this room. I, I immediately became very nervous and started reliving my experience when I was arrested and picked up by the police and taken to a police department. I went and I bailed him out and uh, that worked out that worked out fine. But I on the way back we stopped for a cup of coffee and I told him exactly how I felt that it had made me relive an experience that I had that was the most terrible experience of anything that had ever happened to me in my life. And I think God did this for me so that I could, so that I, it would bring back to me with such force, such, t such powerful force, what happened to me. So I think that Anything you do as a sponsor uh, is is good is good for you because I know it did something for me, kept me sober. Thanks. Hey, Charlie. My name is Charlie. I'm a sexaholic, and I just want to ask Paul. You said it's a question and answer period. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul, what do you mean by uh, and surrendering to the sponsor. What does that mean? Well, 
I'm still Paul, a grateful recurring sexaholic. The um, well, it's different today than it was initially when I first came in the program. I just had to surrender my will. I mean, my will was killing me. So um, I heard this about this word surrender. It said in the you know third step. And see, then I was so full of grandiosity that um, I thought that by the third step I would have completed it. It means surrender. That's you, you complete it there. And then my sponsor pointed out that it says the decision. <laughs> you just have to decide to. <laughs> I mean, which is a whole lot different task. Um, and that was the first way that I could surrender. When he said, said the, say the serenity prayer 39 times on my knees, I did it. I mean, and it helped me out. I mean, he, I don't know whether he, how he got that idea or whatever, but it was just a way of practicing not doing my will. And if I'm not doing my will, then I'm surrendering. And so that's at the beginning. Today it means something different that um, I have to be able to rely on some internal uh, markers that I've learned how to do if they're doing five, four, five, six, and seven. And then uh, now I call them and we have a little bit more different relationship. And so we might be doing other things, you know, or I might be surrendering some character defects as it shows up in our relationship. So it gives me a, one clear opportunity to surrender in my life, a pathway. I have many other ones today. <laughs> that's not the only one, but that's where it started. Um, the, and then I learned how to surrender myself, you know, in the context of other people sponsoring. Like the person just spoke, um, it shows me that everybody's path is different. I mean, so I have someone call me and say they wanted me to pay their rent for them because <laughs> they're going to get thrown out on the street and that's their best interest. And I know I catastrophize and I say, you know, is this, have, is this in a step somewhere? I, I don't know where it is. Um, and so I said, no, I, that's not my role. I said, if it has to do with the 12 steps and we have it, uh, that's fine. You know, and uh, so that was another surrender for me because I would do that. I would, you know had the means to do that, and it wouldn't be even noticed by anyone particularly. But I would know it, and God would know it. And so I had to surrender that caretaking kind of behavior because it's in my story that uh, I have to be able to stop that because it's killing me and gets me set up for lust. Uh, Mike, could I, could I speak to that just for a second? Um, I recognized with great clarity um, when a sponsor of mine had a birthday that it wasn't because of my brilliant suggestions that he was staying sober, uh, but because he was willing to take them. And uh, so today, uh, the way, as as Paul said, the way I can um, break up this huge ego and start to surrender is by letting my sponsor be right. Even though I know he's wrong, I do what he says anyway, just so I can say I told you so, and it always works out. So, thanks. I'm Jay, I'm such a and I'd like all three of you individually to answer this, uh, if you can. Would you fire a sponsee, and under what circumstances would you fire a sponsee? Yeah, the question is uh, to the, all three people on the panel, would you fire a sponsee and uh, uh, is that it? Would you, under, under, what, under what circumstances? Yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm Bert, I'm sexaholic. 
And uh, the answer to that is yes. I, I have fired people uh, and, and try to do it gently. Yeah, <laughs> there's a man here in the audience who, who knows. And, uh, and under what circumstances? When the firing would be for his best interest and or my best interest. And to do it gently, lovingly, caringly, and specifically talking about the whole blessed thing. Why? And uh, I've just, uh, you know, I'm so human and, uh, you know, that uh, I, I try to make no bones about it, you know, about, uh, you know, sometimes I just can't talk. Uh, and so, uh, and, and it's, it, if, if, uh, uh, more specifically, if they're not following my suggestions. If I make suggestions and they feel it's wrong, tell me where it's wrong. And, uh, and maybe I'm wrong. I made a mistake once last year. It was a time I thought I was wrong, you know. But, uh, I, and, uh, what one of my sponsees did to me recently, or did for me, uh, he, uh, he set up a, a performance review. And, of me and of he, you know. And that's great. And, uh, you know, they do it for the international uh, globular companies and, you know, and all that stuff. I think it's a wonderful idea. Uh, so, uh, if, you know, if a sponsorship is not good for both of us, it's not good for either one of us. And uh, so I, I have some specific uh, things. I, I ask people to go to as many meetings as possible. Make sure it's a temporary interim sponsorship, which gives him... The, uh, and I only sponsor men. I'm not into 13-stepping. And, uh, I, uh, um, and uh, I don't, uh, um, uh, you know, that way he can fire me on a minute's notice and I can fire him on a minute's notice. And uh, if, if it's a, now, if it's a, a married man, I suggest very strongly that he get into total family recovery. And... Uh, you know, do the best he can to urge his wife to get into recovery, too. I happen to think that uh, healthy people do not marry sick people. Uh, you, you know, and you can take that anywhere you want. And uh, so I, 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 I ask them to encourage their wives to get involved in s and And if not, then they've got to, you know, work a solo program. But it's also for the kids, you know, because kids are going to marry daddies and mommies, you know. And uh, all that kind of thing. And also, one thing is, is uh, I, I don't, I, I refuse to sponsor anybody who's going to use drugs. You know, and uh, a lot of people I know, you know, uh, uh, they say they're not alcoholics, and then you hear a little bit of the history, <laughs> and I know better. Uh, but uh, you know, everybody's got to find out for himself. But uh, in, in my experience, it's hard enough with a hundred percent. Of, of my faculties to stay sober and try to keep in touch with God. And if I give away 1% of that to one beer, two beers, or one joint, or, or a needle, or whatever, so uh, I'm just not going to sponsor anybody. And I won't sponsor anybody who, who doesn't want their wife to be in recovery. You know, she may not come in, but if he doesn't want her to be in, find somebody else, you know. It's a matter of life and death. You know, we're on the Titanic and there's a big white thing ahead, you know? Thanks. Thanks, Bert. Uh, I'm Mike Sexaholic. Uh, would I fire a sponsee? Yes, I have. And under what circumstances? Well, I, first I want to say 
once again, I, I've been on both ends of that. Uh, because my first sponsor, when he was getting ready to uh, leave the program and uh, go off to Oregon, <laughs> called me and said, I can't sponsor you anymore. Or actually, I think I called him, and in the middle of my, in my daily recitation, he said, wait, 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 I can't sponsor you anymore. And I didn't know that I could ask for an explanation, and I was just dumbfounded. And, I, and, and of course, I thought it was my fault. Um, and uh, that was very hard for me. And I vowed that I would never do that to somebody. So when I, um, if I need to fire somebody, or what I prefer to say, to sever our, our sponsorship relationship, I want to do it in person. And... Uh, uh, explain something about it. Usually, in a lot of cases, it's it, it, it's kind of a moot point. It's somebody who hasn't been going to meetings, uh, who hasn't been calling me, and I need to um, make a break there. I need to uh, what's that called? Where you you tie up the loose end? I need to say, you know, uh, closure. Thank you. Uh, and I, I need to. Get, that's the point where I call the person and say, can we meet? And I have something to tell you. And I say, I, you know, I can't sponsor you anymore. You've, you, you know, you're not in the program as far as I'm concerned. Um, there also was a guy that I was trying to help who had been to several sponsors before and he couldn't stay sober. And I was willing to take him on. Um, he was following my suggestions. He was calling me. But he wasn't getting a breakthrough. And I didn't know how else to help him. And I told him that. And I said, uh, as Bert said, if it's in the guy's best interest, I said, um, I, I think it's better for you to, to uh, start again with somebody else. Thanks. My name is Paul, grateful for sex wallet. Um, I've been fired by a sponsee, and I've fired a sponsor, but I don't think I've ever had the experience of firing a sponsee. Um, and that's just been my experience. Um, what I have had to do is um, I've had I've sponsored very toxic individuals. Um, I've also thought about spo uh, firing sponsees. I've even you know uh, you know obsessed over firing sponsees. But what, <laughs> what I found that most of that had to do with some character defect I was struggling with. As people were talking, it helped me understand that. Um, when we're talking about surrendering to a sponsor, as a sponsor, would I find that um, I had to learn how to repair relationships because once I got to seven, I had eight and nine waiting for me, and I certainly couldn't repair relationships in my marriage, in relation with my marriage and my kids, until I had a relationship that I was stuck with, <laughs> you know, not by my choice particularly, and had to work out how to repair that. So, as a sponsor to sponsees, I found that. You know, that was a challenge. And, but what I've gotten out of that, the fruits of that, have been that it's helped me in my other relationships in my life. Um, uh, I, you know, my wife, I guess, could have fired me. <laughs> I guess she was doing that when I got in the program. But, you know, now I have relationships with people outside the program, too. And one thing has been clear is that each of those relationships have been modeled and using the principles of this program that I have learned in, in sponsor-sponsee relationships, too. Um, what I usually do is learn how to say, you know, are you a member of the program? Okay, because that's only your decision. If we can't get past that, then I have nothing to talk about. 
You see, and what I think about is these these limbs on trees, natural pruning. You know, I can give it water, I can give it, but it's still these dry out, die out, and fall off. I mean, I don't have to cut them off. Or, I mean, there's a natural process to this, and I found that most of the people who've left be, me being their sponsor either fired me because of clear reasons that they had at the time, um, and they stayed or not stayed, and others who um, just sort of dwindled because they had nothing to talk to me about. As long as I was able to say, you know, is it are you, are you a member? Yeah, I'm a member, and, and they qualify. And then I say, okay, um, paying the rent to me doesn't have anything to do with the 12 steps. Talk to me about what are we talking, what step are we talking about here, you know? And so that usually is a natural pruning problem. They don't want to hear that, the program, then, you know. And that's been a challenge for me, because I'd rather talk about this other stuff, because, I mean, this is harder. So I have not fired anybody, but um, not that I haven't wanted to. Nathaniel, sexaholic from Boston, sober, well for three years. Hi. Um, I've, I sponsor a couple guys, um, and one of them I'm very close with. I really, really like them. We're, we're friends. Um, and I guess I just wanted to ask about if you have that experience, or I sort of, I'm sort of afraid that if I'm really close to someone, I won't be able to make the confrontation I need to, or. You know, so I guess I just wanted to open that up to conversation, and, and anyone can take it if they want. Yeah, thank you. I'm Bert. I'm a sexaholic. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I have to keep the relationships clear. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I've, I've learned a lot from my sponsees. And, uh, oh, and, uh, you know, just make sure what the relationship is. Uh, but at a time, if something comes up, you know, I need to, to take off my friend hat and put on my sponsor hat and say, by the way, you know, it's good to talk about this, but you're bleeding to death, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so it's, it's a matter of sponsor and it's a matter of keeping the relationships clear, you know. Uh, I uh, wor- went to work for a sponsor I had one time and uh, right after that, it <laughs> Well, anyhow, it just didn't work out, you know. So I, I got to know which hat, and uh, and and uh, I, uh, I I've been working in the addictions field for a lot of years, and I got to be sure which hat I got on. And if I if I'm a sponsor and I'm putting on my counselor hat, you better leave town. And I I've been hired and rehired and refired and stuff. And I guess one of the biggest things I've learned. Is and I never knew it when I was raising three kids. You know, I had to treat kids as a unit. You know, I couldn't say that each one's different. Is I've learned to to try to see each sponsor separately and ask for feedback. And I'm currently not married. It's been a while. I don't remember how long. But uh, so when when I'm sponsor somebody who is married, and when it comes to talking about abstinence, you know, they're going to say, "Well, I'm just jealous" or something like that. So I just uh, uh, you know ask them to talk to somebody else. And if it's somebody I think ought to be taking their kids to church or Sunday school, talk to somebody that does. The main thing I need to remember is my limitations. And uh, Thanks, Bert. I'm Mike Sexaholic. Um, this is a real good question for me. Thanks, Nathaniel. Um, uh, sponsorship and friendship. Uh, it's good for me because when I was new and I wanted to be a sponsor, it was because I wanted somebody to be my friend. I lusted after friendship in this program. Um, and I like what Bert said. I need to keep the relationship clear. When somebody calls me uh, with a problem, it, this call is about him. 
it's not about me. Uh, he may say, how are you doing? And, and, and I may say a little bit, but I'm not going to talk to him the way I talk to my sponsor. That's what my sponsor is for. Uh, so I need to keep the, the, I tell my sponsors, you need to keep the focus on you, and I want to help them with that. Um, I was very disappointed early in my uh, sponsorship career, so to speak, that the people I sponsored didn't become my best friends, and they didn't invite me over for cookouts and things. And uh, I'm a single guy, and I, I you know, I, that's what I wanted to happen. Uh, today, uh, it's a little bit different. There's, uh, there's at least one guy that I sponsored for a while, and we have more of a give-and-take relationship. Um, and, uh, but that's okay. So I agree with Bert that uh, I think it depends on the individual. When somebody's new in sobriety and it's just a matter of putting the next hour or the next day together, excuse me, then um, there's not a lot of room for sponsorship or for friendship. I have, however, offered fellowship to to new people that I sponsored that were like I was very cut off from the human race. And uh, I remember my first sponsor took me to a ball game, and I was thrilled. You know, so I have invited them. You know, uh, invited them over when we're doing step work to have a meal, things like that. So uh, I offer fellowship. So that's all I have. Paul, sexaholic. Um, it's interesting because um, it, uh, I just thought of a circumstance where I would fire a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> um, keeping the different hats separately I work in a profession that I have had the strangest experience of running into people in meetings and or there and vice versa and, rec- and, right, and right now in my life I'm having uh, that experience again um, if I were their therapist or whatever and they were in the program I could not be their sponsor so I guess that would be a preemptive firing <laughs> uh, or if that happened if they showed up uh, and that would, I couldn't have both relationships with them. Um, and that's challenging me in my recovery today. Um, the, uh, so the boundaries are real important uh, with, with that. Um, most of the friends I have are fellows in recovery. I mean, I didn't know what a friendship was. I didn't have any relationships before this program. And so today maybe um, 60 or 70% of my friends or people in my life are in fellowship. I have some that aren't. It's not because I reduced them. It's because I have more people. And they've, you know, and none of, they don't have to be in recovery. Well, if you want to see the strangest thing is I had a, I had a, 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 a um, ceremony and a party at my house, and I had a third fellows, a third neighbors and friends and the third my family members <laughs> and of course in my head I had them divided the fellows would be on this side you know the yard and, and they were all in, intermingled you know and uh, it went fine it went well um, one of my sponsees is a godfather to my youngest child who's, we, only, we only had him through this program of recovery we never would have had him and so sometimes that's how it is I mean but what Bert says is, is I, I agree with my experience is that push comes to shove, the program comes first, and my relationships in the program come first, and that means, you know, my wife can't be my sponsor even though she wants to apply for the position. <laughs> uh, she'll probably listen to this tape. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, it's the truth. Um, and so uh, that's it. I mean, yeah. are, are we out of time? Or, uh, how, how, pardon?
Okay. Any burning? Do we have time for burning desire? Any smoldering, burning desire? Okay, we should, we've done it all. You guys and us. That's it. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.